And I'm sure you uh, saw the headline this morning, or this weekend, sorry, of uh, what we might be facing, and that is a return of Jihadi Jack. Well, why not? Because a Canadian's a Canadian's a Canadian. That is what our Prime Minister does declare, even if it goes, you know, to non-Canadians. And Trudeau campaigned on that. The second he was elected into government, uh, he reversed legislation put in by Stephen Harper that would strip a citizen of anyone who goes to join ISIS. And I guess it all sounded great at the time, not so much now, because as we learn over the weekend, the UK has now stripped Jihadi Jack citizenship, meaning that the uh, guy sitting in a Kurdish prison, well, it only leaves him with his Canadian citizenship, a country he's never lived in has said up until apparently very recently he didn't want to live in because, well, he was British. And only his dad is a Canadian citizen. And he doesn't even live here. He lives in Britain. But the honor of currently, you know, automatically transfers to Jihadi Jack. And the Trudeau government is not at all happy about this. And they've gone as far to accuse Britain of uh, shirking their responsibility. But Question begs, how did they get caught so off guard? Did our ally not bother to have any discussions? Let's bring David Harris into this conversation, a lawyer with decades of experience in national security and intelligence affairs, as well as director of the International Intelligence Program of Insignis Strategic Research. Hi there, David. Hey, Alex. What was your reaction when you saw the uh, the headline this weekend? Well, I, I guess especially as a lawyer, it strikes me as a fairly interesting situation we're now dealing with. As you know, and as you've said, Britain has got itself in a dicey situation. They have been in near panic for some years as the number of people who've gone from Britain to join ISIS and similar organizations has increased. And on top of all of this, we're now into a phase in Britain, and I dare say we'll be seeing something similar in Canada, where those who have been convicted of terrorism uh, offenses will be, some of them, will be up for parole or release of some kind, which then starts to impose on everyone further thinking about how well tailored to the realities of terrorism our judicial system might be. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that gets you into all kinds of realms, criminal law, of course, but also uh, immigration law and the kinds of situations that the British have now tried to conjure with uh, involving, as I think Mr. Goodale, the relevant Canadian minister, has said, uh, some sharp practice perhaps on the part of Britain unloading a responsibility onto another country. But this is what starts to happen when, I guess, authorities feel they're losing control and have few options and uh, scramble to find some excuse, any excuse, to get rid of problems. Uh, it It remains to be seen, I should add, whether or not... The position of the British government, as reflected in this most recent uh, business with so-called Jihadi Jack, but also in the case of uh, Shamima Begum and uh, another fellow young Mr. Islam, uh, whether the court decisions um, and decisions taken by the British government to keep these people out of Britain um, will be sustained on, on review and on appeal by courts. So that may still be in play. Okay, but as I understand from listening to interviews with uh, Jack Litz's father, um, his son has not been tried on these charges, and so he's saying, well, hold on, he hasn't been tried or convicted of anything, 
But the bottom line is, David, he has not ever lived in this country. And I think a lot of people, certainly mm. Canadian citizens, will say, well, it's it's all great in that, that his father's got Canadian citizenship, but he also hasn't lived here. And so, you know, a guy like Jihadi Jack can jump through a loophole uh, into mm-hmm. this country. And I don't think that's, uh, well, to be perfectly blessed, not fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, it raises profound questions about how we've been managing our immigration system. And uh, one has to be honest about this. There are an increasing number of people of all backgrounds who have the best interests of this country and all of its people in mind who feel that our immigration system has been, I have to use the C word, corrupt. Uh, and corrupted. The um, tremendous impulse that politicians seem to have to bring more and more people in, notwithstanding the vast costs that have been demonstrated in study after study of the immigration system uh, relative to the actual benefits. I mean, of course, we're going to need people. We've brought in many good people. But if we're dealing with a fraught political, military, and other situation internationally, this can get very, very complicated. And uh, yes, you wind up having people with a kind of legal claim on the country, residency, and so on, but who may have very little moral, ethical claim, the kind of claim that makes sense or doesn't make sense to average Canadians who are concerned about these things. And um, one of the big issues that can arise has to do with this concept of dual citizenship. And it's on the basis of that that we now find ourselves uh, really over a bit of a barrel. Uh, We have been, because we're bringing in, I think it's over 300,000 people a year, um, you know, we've got a a greater and greater probability of bringing in more and more people who are going to have dual citizenship. And we saw in Technicolor how this could work Mm -hmm. about a decade plus ago. You remember when there were struggles in the Middle East, um, I guess Israel was under attack, and uh, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people in Lebanon suddenly seemed to have discovered or rediscovered that they had Canadian citizenship, even though they perhaps hadn't seen the inside of Canada for a very long time, and insisted that the Canadian government, uh, at considerable expense, uh, ship these folk to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's to say nothing again of pensions and health care and all these other associated costs where the money could perhaps be put to uh, some more rational ends, including protecting the country. So it's a very difficult situation we've got ourselves into, and it requires some very honest discussion, including about dual citizenship. How is it that uh, many of us who may have come relatively recently to Canada, in effect, wind up with a kind of privilege in the form of dual citizenship, that those of families who've spent uh, their history, hundreds of years perhaps, in Canada, Aboriginals and others, won't have as a benefit, right? As flexibility. And, and when when Mr. Trudeau made these comments about a Canadian, <clears throat> pardon me, a Canadian's a Canadian's a Canadian, this was uh, a soundbite at a time campaigning against Stephen Harper that sounded very good uh, and and sounded compassionate. But here we are now, years later, and what we have learned since you know they've repealed the legislation and reinstated that anybody is a Canadian can go off and do whatever and come back. We've learned that this government does not have any plan to reintegrate these fighters uh, into Canada 
when they do come back, we're not told where they are. If they're coming back, we're not told. So Canadians are, I think, at, by and large, they don't have any idea what this particular government's position is on these fighters. And now we've got Goodale saying, well, we're not obligated to take Jihadi Jack back. And now they're not really saying anything. They just want this to go away, David, because there's an election mm-hmm. coming. Oh, oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm old enough uh, to remember when we, uh, as Canadians, took great pride and found a real source of honor in the fact that uh, we made no distinctions uh, between, you know, Canadians of birth and uh, immigration. But, of course, reality has evolved and uh, the irresponsibility of pretty well all political parties has now created this gigantic mess on the immigration side and it has led people quite properly to ask what indeed is a canadian is it a is, is a canadian of convenience uh, to be taken as seriously as somebody who may have come here settled here been established and committed to the country uh, how how is this all to work out and yet to the extent that we still have as we've seen from the government, a tendency to put hands over ears and eyes and mouth. When these important questions arise as discussions, we are not going to get to reasonable solutions of a mature kind. So just before I let you go, David, what is then our obligation to Jihadi Jack? And what is the honesty that uh, in an election cycle we don't tend to get? Is the Trudeau government, is this country somehow obligated now because of this government's legislation to let Jihadi Jack back? My own guess would be that uh, we would be, uh, just in the sense that you cannot render someone stateless, and it may have been that the British uh, beat us to the punch by by, uh, canning him. Now, there is one quick thing. It's not clear to me, unfortunately, that the legislation brought in by the Conservative government Mm -hmm. would necessarily have survived a Supreme Court review. It may not have been constitutional. And so that's another intriguing element in all of this mess that you so accurately highlighted. Yeah, well, no question. It's uh, got everyone talking. And I think to the bigger picture itself, it's not just Jihadi Jack. It's where are all these people and what is the government going to do? Because as you say, um, you know, for for Europe, it's a little different because the situation's up close to them. We're an ocean way, so we have the benefit of being able to ignore it for a while. But eventually these fighters are coming here, and I don't get the sense that there's any plan in place at all and one that, you know, the public's going to get to hear about. That's right. And uh, as part of that, too, as I mentioned earlier, we've got some people who would be scheduled for release in the foreseeable future who were sent to prison, probably to everyone's immense satisfaction and relief mm-hmm. a number of years ago. But as many of us tried to warn, that's not going to be the end of the story. These folk will be uh, alive and well and very much present in Canadians' lives here within our country to add to the problem that returnees of suspicious background may already be presenting authorities. And authorities are, I think it's fair to say, well and truly overwhelmed by the extent of the problem that we're now facing. They they almost cannot have the capacity to maintain the kind of surveillance required, Mm -hmm. especially when you hear, and we've heard testimony before uh, parliamentary committees to the effect that you may need 20 to 30 people to surveil one individual for exactly you know this is insane stuff Uh, yeah as we don't have all we have is for them to carry the bags across the border we don't have the intelligence on the other side that's right David I gotta leave it there but thanks so much for joining us 
Pleasure, Alex. Take Appreciate care. it. That is uh, Davis Harris, uh, David Harris. So he's a uh, expert in this particular area. And uh, if you re- want to read more on what he has to say, he's with uh, Insignus Strategic Research. So there you go.